Let's get ready to throw down. Welcome to the show, everybody. Sales Throwdown. We are back. We're talking from our homes still because we're still in the midst of a pandemic. And last week, we talked about uh, a situation where Clint was struggling. And I had another situation that happened to a friend of mine and wanted to kind of get everybody's opinions on it. And long story short, this guy is a insurance producer. So he sells insurance. And part of the process of selling is actually taking policies to market, right? And so there's account executives, there's a, there's a back office team that helps you. And his back office team has quit that they've been poached by a competitor. So he has some pressure to produce, right? And he wants to keep his momentum, but he can't really bring in a whole lot of deals right now because there's not the team to support and actually give them the right process. So he was like, what would you do in this situation? So I'm curious, how do you guys handle this? What do you think about it? What, what's your first thing? Well, um, does it? Yeah. My, so let me let me get get some clarification. How yeah. how how big was his staff, and how did somebody poach all of them at one time? I mean, this seems a little odd to begin with. So, good good question. So, my understanding is that it wasn't the whole back office team, but it was two people who were crucial because they were attached to most of this guy's work. So, the person who this is going to fall on now is kind of a manager. So, they're a little bit, I think, probably struggling to get the the roles replaced because two people left so i don't know that that there's like a direct handoff to someone else and you can keep going at the same rate that wasn't the gist that i got from uh from my friend so mm. i i i like this inter- I, I like this problem because it's uh it hits home to me recently because i just lost my senior estimator three weeks ago um out of you know no hard feelings no no hatred just left to another state for a better deal to retire, right? And uh, <laughs> crucial, crucial to my process, much like it sounds like these people are. Um, and what you realize is how much those people do for you that you don't even know. Um, but it also allows you some freedom to change some procedures in the way you do things, right? Is yeah. Now you're getting to, you know, if you're lucky enough to hire on some new people or bring people up within the company, things that were mistakes, but you couldn't really change because of the seniority or because of how you've done things for so long. It allows you some freedom to be able to change the processes to the new. Um, so that, that's one positive out of the, out of the deal that I can think of. Um, the other side of it too is, um, you know, if, if you work an extra and, and I'm kind of finding this right now, if I work a few extra hours and I have everybody else load up a little bit on the duties that that guy performed, we're making it right now, right? Yeah. Um, do I need to hire that person back or do we all need to maximize our performance to a certain point where we're all, you know, 110%, we need to hire that person down the road. Um, that's, that's another kind of <laughs> thing I saw. A head pop exactly. his, little, his little head. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I'm just trying to look at some, uh, some positive things because it just happened to me. Um, a few positive things that came out of what just, recently happened um, in that scenario. Well, what's really interesting about this situation is um, the way that the team 
is uh, compensated, right? So uh, for a long time, this office didn't have uh, producers on it. You know, some turnover had happened. And so what had happened was they had made an adjustment to paying out these account executives to, to really facilitate more farming and cross-selling. So the back office team, which is supposed to help the producers, is also being incentivized at a higher rate to farm their own deals with their own things like this. So I view it as a really big opportunity as well, because now you can build a team that's going to be focused around helping the producers produce, as opposed to just a bunch of an account executives who are really good at farming in and amongst each other and want to work their deals, as opposed to like actually helping the sales team, which is what their role is. This isn't like me being like, oh, everyone's got to help support sales. That's what this role is really built to do. But of course they have uh, other incentivizations to work their own stuff because that pays them out at a higher rate. So, so, so what you're saying is these people, the, the front sales guys sell. And then when you say produce, they're the producers, but the back office then upsells the client into other issues and works certain accounts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that the division of labor? I'm just trying to understand the dynamic. Or produces um, the, the necessary information for the, the sales guy to close the deal. Right, but it's, I understand it's a that, bit but, of both. Yeah. but how did they go get extra grease? Because it sounds like one's an admin position, but then you just simply said they have their own farming they can do inside, so they can sell as well, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what had happened was, um, you know, when you're, when you're an insurance producer, you're building a book of business that, that you more or less own. So if you leave the company, then the company inherits those, those accounts as house accounts. So mm-hmm. These, mm-hmm. These, these account executives can do renewals and take things out to market and yes. do things for like the house accounts, and that pays them higher than the cut that they're helping me as a producer well that's a little effed up on the pay scale it seems like it de-incentivizes new business from within now Mm -hmm. if my income's tied to and i'm a headhunter and i'm looking for the next you know i'm the sales guy but if i've got my back office that gets more off of working on the easier stuff that's already in house yeah that's management issues right there in my opinion that's 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 yeah. That's screwing, and, screwing the company as a whole, in my and, opinion. And, and, and to be honest, that's why they left. You think so? Yes. Because they, because they didn't want all that all Extra that money? Or, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> it's the other way. Because, because it's not guaranteed money. It's, it's you've got to try to get all this stuff done for extra money. We're giving you this kind of book of business at a, probably a really low salary. Right. Okay, good point. I, I agree with Clint on that one. <laughs> that yeah, I've got a hustle, then I've got a hustle. And if I just got, you know, if I could just concentrate, I don't want to be a salesperson, but my extra this, grease is yeah. Let me let me tell you in, in construction, one of the hardest sales to make is the sales guy for the construction job goes out, he sells a, a, a new building, they put it up, let's say, a, let's say a hotel, they build a hotel. Now the service department in your own company has their own salespeople. They've got to go try to sell into that hotel so that your competitors don't get in there and take the ongoing service, right? The right. annual service, right? Exactly. I'm going to tell you carpet, right now, carpet that, turnovers, maintenance issues. Yep, oh, yeah. That is yeah. that is a tough freaking sale, boys. I, I I it is tough because those people just spent a lot of cash. They might have spent all they had to put the building up. They can't even talk about if things break, why would it break? You guys just put it in brand new. Why, you know what I mean? So, so I totally get that, right? That upsell side of the business is tough. Even though you were handed a golden goose, so to speak, right? You're handed this book of business. That's not easy sales. And you're going to well, pay a guy 50 grand a year and then promise them all this commission on the back end. Bullshit. 
Well, yeah. Uh, the other thing is that for once upon a time, it kind of made sense, right? Because like this is a cost center, right? You know, this, the, this office, right? So incentivizing the account executives to go off and do this thing and they were doing fairly well at it, right? And then they got a new, some new producers in and one of my uh, friends is one of those guys and they're starting to do really well. Um, but now they're, all these account executives are, are overwhelmed because they have to take this stuff out to market because they're a broker. So they're going out trying to get the best deal that they possibly can on this coverage, which requires these, these account executives that have the relationships and everything else like this. So it made sense at, at one point. It, it kind of doesn't make sense now. Um, and with two, two of the four people leaving, uh, look, if I was, if, if I was, you know, running that thing, I would be like, okay, awesome. We're changing the comp plan. If that means you need to go, then, then that's fine. Um, but you know, we're trying to build a team around our producers. So, but, but this is a, this is going to be a domino effect inside that company, right? Because yep. now your two leading producers just left, right? The two guys. That no, hold, so hold on a second. These are not producers. These are like, like back office account yeah, executives. Sure. Okay. But so, I mean, they produce, they produce stuff, right? For your company. You can't yeah, survive internally. Yeah. yeah. That's, so that's two, yeah. two people leave, right? For a better deal. If you don't think that the other two that strive to be those best two, the, the third and the fourth aren't trying to find those positions. Hey, if they left, they're doing one of two things. Either I'm going to slide into this position unearned, right, because they need me, or I'm going to go try to make that deal because there's a, there's a market for it out there now, right? And that's, that's a tough spot to be in. So when one domino falls, guys, watch out. You know, they, they tend to fall. How big is this company that we're talking about, the brokerage firm? They're huge. They're, they're oh okay. They're, so they've got some redundancy perfect. then. Oh right. yeah, so, of course. It's not a small so, shop. Um, okay, so but, eh, they may have a method to their madness where they they can maybe you know, they, you know they've. I mean, any Nan, any big organization. Hold on, Clint. Oh, sorry. Nan? It can't be the first time this has happened. They're probably pretty easy to adapt to change. Well, that, so so sure, right? And with a big company, there's cushion and things like this, but the my friend is like, what do I do? Because I can't really bring in a whole lot of deals right now because I'm not going to be able to work them. You know, stuff's going to get fallen in the cracks. I'm not really sure. And part of this like vetting process and going to market, he's not allowed to do, right? Like it's like clearly defined yeah. that they don't want him doing these things. So and this company's this, lo this large, but doesn't have the ability to slide somebody in to help him with his business. Load? I mean, I think they're going to try, but you know, wow. That's, so, that's so unique. This is a prime example of do more with less. I mean, this the like absolute definition of it, right? And you, you have to now, when you could do, let's say 60 deals a week, right? You, you bring in 60 new opportunities and close, let's say 10 of them, right? Um, not a bad hit ratio, right? Because you have the ability to go out and get 60. Now you don't, you have half of your ability or maybe even less than that. Now you can only do 20 to 30 deals a week, but you still need to win 10, right? So qualifications of your customers, qualifications of the deals, you don't have the back end power to just bring all this stuff and throw it at the company and say, everybody get this done for me so that we win 10. Now you've got to win 50, 60% of the things you bring in. That's a whole nother, that's a whole yeah. nother scenario. Your targeting has got to be much tighter. Let 100%. me ask you this, John. Now, is he presented his leads? I mean, is he just a grinder with, hey, the company's large enough. We do all this marketing. And so here's your set of leads. 
these are the leads. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so always the, be closing. The way that it works is this company works very, very old school, right? They bring in lots and lots of like brand new college graduated people whose family have got connections um, and then go get it, skip, you know, kind of deal. And you get a base for like a year and then it starts to like step off a little bit as you're supposedly supposed to be growing your commissions and stuff. But it's very, very old school, which, you know, there's not anything bad about that. But the, uh, the, the thing that I told him was that, okay, I wouldn't be super focused on direct to client stuff, but I would be doubling down on my like, you know, uh, development of like referral partners and stuff like this, because he, he can partner really well with like, with like wealth managers, right? Because, uh, you know, they're, he's on the personal line side, so they want to talk about risk. And so all of this stuff like kind of makes sense. And I'm like, man, I would keep the foot on the gas around that and, you know, just make sure that, you know, you're doing what's necessary on, on the frontline stuff, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be trying to, to bog myself down with a bunch of work. I'm not going to be able to get through the process. So, Can you, so John, I have, I have a couple questions for you in this situation. Yeah, sure. What, what is the position of this guy that brought this issue to you? What is his title? What does he do? Um, so he's a sales, sales guy, outside sales okay. guy. Biz so he, guy. Lost, he lost his workforce in the back to, to really drive this stuff home. He lost, he lost two out of the four. Um, yeah, and, and, and they support all of DFW. So, okay. okay. Let me ask you this is, can you mention the name of the firm? Um, not going to mention the name of the firm now. Okay. Not going to, not going to do it. No. no. <laughs> so, so something that we haven't really hit on is the underlying reason of why these people were just so up to leave for a few dollars an hour or more, or, you know, in my business, always a few dollars an hour or more, right? Yeah. What, what happened? What kind of environment did they work in every day that as soon as somebody gave them a better deal, they hopped, right? Because, because I'm popping. And not one, but two hopped. But did two, they both yeah. go to, did they go to the same company? Yeah. The story. Yeah. Okay. So the story that I've heard um, um, is that, company came along, uh, was talking to, and, and who knows if, if, if they reached out to them or if the company reached out to them or, or who initiated what, but essentially a company came along, offered this person a better deal than they were currently getting, which uh, according to my information was, you know, solid, you know, over six figures uh, of, of income. And then they said, okay, cool, come work with us and you can build out your team. Is there anybody else you would like to bring with you? And they mentioned somebody else. And so then they made them an offer. And, and they're not, no non-competes, they just walk. They're not salespeople, man. So, so they're just account executives. So yeah. a, a lot of people don't, don't actually put account executives under like NDA, which I kind of think is, is a bad thing if you're concerned about that. I mean, at the end of the day, it's hard to move stuff around from company to company, but mm -hmm. you know. Because yeah, it like, may be unique to the industry. This is not a practice. So sure. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. Yeah. But, but even then with, with your NDAs and all that stuff, like somebody still has to prosecute it, right? And Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's like the same thing as like as like copyright infringement. You know, like like just because you go through all of those hoops doesn't mean that people aren't going to rip you off. It just means that you can sue them if you choose to do so. That's right. And, same and you, same and thing with the juice isn't worth the squeeze most of the time. Absolutely right. So if if this was you, what 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 would you be doing right now, right? Oh, I I can tell you one. I w I would tell you that I, I hit on earlier is like okay, all the processes that I couldn't do because of these senior people right that hey don't bring me especially backdoor people you're you're bringing me this deal i don't want it like this i want it like this because this is the way i'm used to seeing it for 15 years you have the ability now to change that 
um, which can be a great, great thing. And it might actually make you more producing. Um, the other side of it too is, um, man, you really have to treat people. You got to train people and treat people to want to stay with you, no matter what the offer is out there. <clears throat> and, and I've found that in the, I found that. I, I agree with Clint. I agree with Clint. Yeah. yeah. You're on the right I've, track. I've, Keep talking. I, I've, I've literally left companies for, you know, more money. And I got there and the money that I earned more wasn't worth the problems that they had. Right. And um, I've left, I've left companies for less money and went to more challenges because that's just who I am and, and found way more gratification in that project. And, and I'll tell you like that people that leave you, they're leaving you for reasons. They're not, you know, and right now it's a hard time because people are leaving you for money and yeah. they will absolutely do it. But I will tell you, you need to take a hard look. If, if people do this to you, especially your inner office, your, your core people, I'm telling you, they leave because they don't feel appreciated. They feel like you're getting all the, you're the quarterback, right? As a salesperson, you're kind of the quarterback of the, of the football team. The linemen are doing all the heavy lifting. They're protecting your ass. They're making you do all the, you know, you're out there running a gun and playing golf three times a week, winning these deals, getting paid, pulling up in the new Mercedes. And these guys are driving, you know, Pintos. Like this happens, right? This is not a phenomenon. This is what, this is what happens. And, um, you got to take care of those people, man. They're, they're your, they're your workforce. I, I have the first employee I ever hired 25 years ago. And I'm proud to say that I say it all the time. I mean, you know, and I have had one employee retired that was with me for 20 something years. And yeah, that longevity is the success to a company my size, right? Yeah. I cannot, I mean, turnover happens, right? But it's usually because I want it to happen, not because they want to go. They're they're trying to figure out how to keep their job, you know. Because we, you know, there is a value to putting effort into your employees and the work environment. Because if you're in a caustic environment, right? I mean, that's a hard day for everybody to get up and go to, right? Yeah, yeah. I, and I and I'll tell you this: I I'm going to give you a little motivational speech here, but I refuse to play a football game because I, I love football and that's kind of my sport. I refuse to play on the same team with the 10 other guys. So 11 of us total. I refuse to play with 10 other people that don't want to be there. I just, I refuse to play that game. I would rather play with three people and get my ass kicked every day with people that are in all in, no matter the cost. I agree. So, I agree. okay. So, so hold on there, right? Because I think we're coming up on, on a, on a point here. How do you, def because Clint, you, you often talk about the fact, well, if you don't like it, you know, then, then we're not supposed to work together. To my point, exactly. So where do you, because, because I do think that there's a lot about company culture that, you know, could be addressed and changed, especially right now with like everybody working remotely from home. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for, for good company culture and like showing people that they're, you know, meaningful to the team and everything else like this. But some people just you know, it's either not alignment or not the right time or not the right yeah. person and stuff I mean, like that. Sure, sure. Not everybody's think, a fit for that, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, but you, ultimately... You got to cut those people out though and be okay with it, right? 100%. And, and to that point, like uh, we did that um, before COVID happened and had I had foreseen COVID happening, I probably wouldn't have cut them because we needed the bandwidth, right? But at the time they were poison. They were just poison. And uh, the, the attitude was wrong. Everything they did was, was just not what we wanted. 
And I didn't want to reward those people the same as I reward the people that come in every day with their head held high. And so we cut that, right? We cut those people. And um, that was based on performance and attitude and a lot of other things. It wasn't had, it didn't have anything to do with the pandemic. And then the pandemic happens a month later and it's like, gosh, I really wish I had those bodies because I'm, now I need people out there knocking on doors. So now I got to come up with a new strategy, but I don't regret it by any means because God, can you imagine a down culture with down people? Holy shit. I mean, I can't oh. even fathom that. You know, if, if you, and I, yeah, I've got what, 22, 24 employees, some, something in that, that range. And, and if they're not all rowing in the same direction, right? If we're not all, you know, working our processes hand in hand, so we get through the day with the patients or we get the materials out to the hospital or we get the your radiology reads, you know, we can break down pretty quickly, right? Because everybody plays a key part in all of that. So if you're working in a small to medium-sized business, you don't have a ton of redundancy, right? So if all the cogs don't fit well together, man, as a manager or a sales guy and you turn around and this isn't working or that isn't working, wow, man, you're just making for a long-ass day, a long-ass week, and, you know, a long career. And, it, yeah. and I'll, I'll say this, that, like, you – and we had to do this too. It's like when you're a really big company, sometimes you forget where you came from, right? You forget when it was just two people, a sales guy and an operations guy that started a company and worked 130 hours a week. And now all of a sudden you're, let's say you're a, a billion dollar organization and you have departments that handle all of that stuff that you used to do on a Sunday morning at, at three in the morning. You forget that, right? So now everybody's just working 35, 40 hour weeks, just, you know, can't wait till Friday. That mentality sets in that complacency. Right. And when things like this happen in my mind, it's like, is everybody at max capacity? And we say here all the time is before we hire this person, is everybody at max capacity? Because if they're not, we need to get everybody there first. Right. And yeah, I do the the same thing. I do the same thing. I sit down and I say, you know, can somebody else do part of this so that we don't have to hire someone? And then when they're at max capacity, when we are, you know, you know, when we're working extra hours, when I see overtime, because I look at overtime and you know what I say to overtime is, well, I'd have to hire another person. So that'd be 40 hours at regular time is overtime past that. Or do I, so man, you, you do a balance of the books. What if we incentivize extended hours, did some flex days off. I mean, you start look, getting creative, guys, because if yeah. you think the old business model wins this today, yep. no. no. I, I, can't have, I can't have 30 engineers in an office building with 30 secretaries sitting out there beside the door. That, that was, that's gone, what, 60 years ago? Like, that, that's gone, right? And you just got to put these people on, you know, on the task that they have at hand and get it done. And when you get to the point, right, everybody has a breaking point. You take that little white flag and you wave it, right? And you let me know. And, and, and I will constantly check in with people like, hey, you're saying you can't get this done. Is this you waving the white flag? Yeah, absolutely. Here's why, because I have this and this and this. No problem. If I take this off your plate and shuffle it over here, does that free you up to get this done at the best of your ability? And if the answer is yes, I will absolutely take that off your plate. Yeah. Right. But if this is you being lazy, that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. So we're going to go through his process and figure out, um, because 
as, as is with everybody, right? You know, once you get a little bit busy, you start putting more and more on the support team if you have it and stuff like this. So he's probably putting some stuff on the support team that we can pull back and own as part of like his process. Yep. And so that way, absolutely, the stuff that, that does come through can get worked and it's not the burden that, uh, that it might sometimes be because, you know, you know, you've got, you, you've got good solid people and you've got some trust, you know, you know that they can, you know, get stuff across the finish line for you. But yep. if you're the salesperson, right. And you want to keep the momentum and you want to make sure that you're not getting complacent. Like where do you put your focus right now? Uh, on qualify, 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 qualify hard. Because every deal that you bring in has to make it through the process of the back end that you don't have anymore. Right. Yeah. So if you're bringing in shit deals because one, once you could, you brought in a shit deal, they processed that you didn't get it. No big deal. But now everything you do, you have half the capacity and probably a less efficient half capacity. Now what you got to bring in has to close. Yeah. Or a very high probability of it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the dynamic of this guy's business. Is this guy successful? I mean, is he is he a is he a is he a grinder? I mean, is he like, hey, I'm so busy out there selling and closing deals, I've got to have this? Or is this a security blanket? Because the first thing that pops into my mind is, what can you outsource? What you know? How much more workload can the other two pick up? Yep. And does he have to grind 60 deals to get his 10? Because Clint brought up a good point if he qualifies better, but maybe it's a numbers game, right? In the insurance business, I can see where that's just a grind. grind. So I, I say I would be looking at outsourcing. I would be looking at, you know, what is it, you know, what's the company's position on this little, you know, situation? Um, yeah, there are a couple of variables here. And I, I would think though, if, if, if he can salvage this, he may actually come out feeling better at the end of the day. You know, I mean, sometimes these are great opportunities to reflect on your process and how to shorten it or what, you know, how you can just, you know, you know, break it up into smaller bites. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways to approach it. At this point, it's an attitude. It's already happened. Yeah. Now I reflect on why did it happen? And how, if you don't want that to happen again, what, what do I need to change? Yeah. And he's already there. So now yeah. the best of it, you know, change is inevitable. You know, don't, sometimes complaint, it sounds like he maybe was a little complacent if he didn't see this coming. So, you know, but, I, I don't really know. Um, because I don't really know how much control he had over this thing, you know, because like the, the entire team kind of supports everybody, but, but these two people were kind of like assigned to him as like, as like additional help and things like this. So, um, you know, it could have just been a better deal. I, I mean, I, I don't really want to can too much conjecture about why they left and who's responsible for it and stuff like this, because it largely doesn't matter anymore. Right. Um, but the, you know, the things that I'm talking about with him is like, okay, cool. Like you got to steep, stay hungry and keep the momentum going forward. Right. Because, you know, they could have this filled in two weeks, but if you take your foot off the gas now of like having conversations and networking and, you know, keeping stuff moving forward, you're not going to see that lag for potentially, you know, two to three months after that. So like, this is the time to keep that all moving forward while, you know, setting appropriate expectations, but I would be much more focused on like referrals and like centers of influence and that stuff, as opposed to direct client stuff. No, well, but, like but, but sometimes, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say, 
I mean, I, I don't know what it takes to close, you know, a whale in his business or a big deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, this could potentially hamstring his capabilities of fulfillment, right? Uh, that portion of the process. And that's a scary idea when you're out there saying, I got a couple of big things working and we're going to look like crap on, you know, on the fulfillment side of this. And that is a real issue, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Clint, sorry, what, I didn't mean to What were you going to say? Me. Um, you know, I, I like the, I like the attitude part, man, because, uh, cause right now you have to overcome, you have to adapt, overcome, you know, point, I'll point at this. Uh, point, I, was right? gonna, I knew you would go. I was going <laughs> to, it's not wrong. You, you, let me drink you some of the Kool-Aid. You, you overcome. Hey, drink the Kool-Aid all you want. It, it's right. Like you That's have right. to realize the no, situation. I, I do agree. I do, you have, have to, agree, you have to drive actually. it home. And I, and I like the attitude portion of it. Um, you know, the other side of it, uh, of that little statement too is you know can you overcome it right is that even in your uh, is that even in your mentality to do that and if it's not this little trying time if that's going to get the better of you that you lost your back door well were you the winner or were they the winner right and I think well, you have to look at yourself yeah. a little bit on that for sure. Right. And, and part of this is, according to my understanding, which is only coming from one person, is that is it part of this they don't want him doing right. So so it mm -hmm. wasn't like a like, hey, he got he got super busy and super swamped. So then this person came in to do this thing like like this is part of the process. They don't want the producers like yeah. trying to chase down the best pricing and the best markets and stuff like this. So so that kind of makes sense. Right. You know, division. Agree. I mean, uh, I mean, you of all people, John, you, you know that as soon as somebody stops doing this process to move into this process you yeah. just screwed everything we've ever known about data you just threw all that out the window now we got to create a whole new database absolutely so, so yeah. i agree with that um yeah but uh i i thought that was really interesting because i i you know i don't have to deal with that like at all you know and clint does a little bit because you know, if his whole team like gets up and leaves, you know, and, and, you know, they're, they're, they're a big enough company that there's still production pressure. Right. Um, Every day. Yeah. You know, and, and same thing, same thing in this company. Right. I, I don't know if they're publicly traded, but it wouldn't surprise me if they were, I mean, they're, yeah. they're substantial. So, you know, there's the, the easing of quota is not going to be there. Right. So you kind of got to make do the best you can with about that, but I would be doubling down on trying to find the best, like top end deals that I could so that way I don't have to do a volume approach. I can do like a, like a surgical approach of like, okay, cool. I, I would have worked on this with the team, but now that the team isn't here, I have to do more. So I, you know, I don't think I'm the right one to help you. Yeah. My, my, I tell you my biggest, my biggest concern with all of it is uh, when, the, when this situation happens, and I'm not talking about just this guy and his problem, but, but in general, when, when people leave you and you, and you become shorthanded, it's usually not a capacity issue. Can we get this done? It's more of a uncomfortable issue. Yeah. I'm used to working 20 hours a week as a sales guy. I get to go golfing in the mornings. Nobody bothers me. I'm bringing in deals. I get to do all this stuff. And now that those guys love me, now I have to work my full 40 or my four, full 50, 60 hours a week. Mm -hmm. And you're making me feel uncomfortable. Therefore I bitch. And, and you know, this isn't right. You're treating me wrong. And then I leave. Right. Yeah. And there's always say, like, there's always this like idea that like, uh, well, there's, there's stigma of like, oh, the salesperson said all of these things, they've made all these agreements and now it's on, it's on us to fulfill. And I hear this 
and a lot of the companies that I work with, right? There's always my business all day long. There's always, there's, there's always animosity between like the sales team and the back office team. Right. And part of that is because of bad communication and bad of it. Part of it is because of bad process and things like this. And and that's why, you know, I'm able to help them, but there's always this idea that I go back to that. I kind of, I, I think I get this from Jocko more than like anywhere else, but like you can either be beholden to the prospect and do everything you can. Oh yeah, sure, man. We'll, we'll get that out to you. When do you need it? All, all this stuff at the expense of your team, or you can be beholden to the team sometimes at the expense of your prospect. Like, Hey, we're not gonna be able to get that done in two days because our team is going to take three to four uh, as you know, are you, are you okay with that? Right. You can put that pressure either on the prospect or you can put it on your team. But when you keep putting it on the team over and over and over and over again, I do agree with, with what Clint and I have been talking about that, that you are going to burn people out, you know? Uh, well, the key there is to set the right expectations on both absolutely. sides of that equation. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and don't overpromise it to the point that your team cannot deliver, but then also respect the fact that if your team is at its maximum capacity and you know that, don't break your machine, right? Because you can't mow the yard if the lawnmower won't start, right? And then, you know, let's talk about it this other way, right? You're getting really incentivized to work your own deals, right? You're not getting paid the same amount to work this salesperson's deals. Oh, and the there's salesperson, where I think that's, that's I know, up yeah. right there. And, and to me, like- that's when like, the guy goes- yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm getting to it. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. And and that's when you have to frame the whole situation differently, right? Because essentially that situation, because it was for so long, is like, is like cool, you guys sell because you guys have to support the cost center. Well, now that there's a producer back, it, it that focus should shift back to doing that. But the the agreement was already in place around commissions and everything else like this. And this leader uh, apparently doesn't seem super confident and comfortable about going back and saying, okay, we're changing the pay scale. But now that these two people have left, I'd be in there changing that pay scale so fast. That is so hard, man. You could have a mutiny in a New York minute when you take money away. No, I know. I mean, you, better, you better be if prepared you've had four, to hire, but sure, on, right? you better be prepared to hire two more. And then however many other centers you have these same four and four, two and two, however they do it. But yes, you could create, because you're going to do that to me. I'm like, look, if I'm good, I'm, I'm seeing the writing on the wall that, I get it, you know, you right? could rip it out from underneath me at a New York minute. So and I'm not saying, and I realize that this is a delicate thing we're talking about it in a vacuum and I'm coming across kind of like the, uh, the, the ax man, you know, if you don't like it, leave, but you know, there, there is something to be said about like, Hey, like this is the vision of our company. You know, like, like if, if I was still working for our, you know, for Al and I was like, cool, I'm going to do all of this other stuff. Well, man, you still got to go and do this thing that you're required to do. Right. And, you know, once again, I, I think it's, it's mystification between like the leader, the producers and the back office team, and nobody knows how they're supposed to align. And I'm sure you could structure this way. So that way for like one year, the, the drop-off isn't as bad. So like, you know, you're not hungry, but you are incentivized to like work with the team and build the team together. But it's, it's uh, in my opinion, it would be very simple where you incentivize them through the new sales process and help sure. your frontline guys. Mm-hmm. They don't lose anything. They just got to work it a Absolutely. different way. And you, you bring, you, you do this, right? Yep. There's more, and it's the same money to you at the end of the day with a mm-hmm. better structure of where your, where your emphasis should be, which is on this new growth yep. with some grease on upping the sales, you know, or, or you know, cultivating or farming from within your own, your own house accounts. Yeah. And I'm not saying how, to, how hard is that? 
Yeah, I'm not saying to completely take out like like all the commission, but you know, if you're making 15% on on stuff you cross sell internally on your own book, you now get 10, and you now get 20 on stuff that you help the producers close, right? Like uh, yeah. like you know, it's it's all shifting to make sure that the that the value alignment is there. Yep. But you can only you can only like optimize for like one thing, right? Like like, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot, like. You know, you can optimize for quality, you can optimize for speed, you can optimize for cost, you can optimize a team to like, so, uh, to help, you know, protect the producers so that way they're bringing in a constant flood of new business, or you can incentivize people to just like cross sell the crap out of all the existing accounts. But then what happens is if there's not an, an influx of new business, how do you solve for that? Um, so how can, why wouldn't you do all of that though? Everything you just said, because I, be I don't think you working can. towards perfect. Well, I think you can't. Because, because because it's a it's a it's and I a think successful com- companies do. I don't. But so but so I think I think that it, if you're going to be really really good right and and perform at a really high level, you have to cut out stuff right. And sometimes that means okay, we're not going to, you know, it's yeah. it's all about you where cut you're putting off the focus. Your staff spending four effing hours on their phone instead of working right. You get them to lunch and you get them back. You sort of shorten all the nonsense that really takes production down to four hours on an eight-hour day. I, I will. I will tell you, in in a pretty large company myself, they my my thought is always get back to where you came from. Don't ever forget where you started from. And in every company I've worked in in since I've started working in construction, has always lost sight of that. Right at some point. Right. I've got to get, I've, I need another uh, accounting person. I need another project manager. I need another this because if I don't hire that person, I'm going to put this person in an uncomfortable position that they have to work more hours. Right. But when we started, when we first started growing, when we first started doing all this stuff, everybody worked a hundred hours a week, everybody worked 90 hours a week. What are you talking about? Get back to that mentality. I'm not saying push your people to work ungodly hours. By no means am I saying that. What I'm saying is to, to Doc's point a little bit of like, okay, this guy says he's at 100% capacity, but I just saw him eat lunch for two hours. I just saw him walk up and down the hallway talking to other people in the office for an hour. That's 80% capacity. That's not 100. So if I take that 20 and this other person's 20 and the other person's 20 and I put it together, I get to 100 really quickly, especially in a very large organization. So I'm not saying cut back. What I'm saying is maximize potential that you have. Guys, with the current pandemic, if you're not willing to up your game at whatever level it is you perform in your company, right? I'm telling you, the gravy train of unemployment just left. You and, and it wasn't a long train, right? That six hundred dollars extra a week is gone and it's going lower. You do not want to be unemployed or in a transition, you lock your teeth in tight to whatever good that you have going on and make it better because this world is going to get worse before it gets better. And there's a, I mean, write that down, take that to the now, bank. As <laughs> so, so I do have something to add to this. And, and uh, you know, I think if my company ever saw this, I hope they don't, but I'm going to say this. <laughs> No. Um, is, as, as you broadcast from the company. The phone lines are lighting up right now. <laughs> up. They so, can't, so can't wait to hear. What I will say is this, is don't, at, at the same time, in all the downturn, people have let a lot of people go because, A, they were dead weight, two, they didn't need them, or three, they couldn't afford them, right? Like, they, there's people been let go. 
and this economy will bounce back. And I, I almost bet you that none of those people will hire those same people back. They can't. It's too much pride involved. There's too much animosity. How are you going to trust a guy that you let go to come back and do a good job? He's probably just not going to do that. Um, so I will say this, keep your ears and eyes open. If something, you know, another company, somebody, somewhere you wanted to move to and work for. So I'm going to blame the devil's Absolutely. advocate Good on, the, on, the, on yeah. this too, right? Is that if something pops up and man, you've been waiting for that position for a long time or a little bit extra pay and another company to do the same thing. Those opportunities, if they're not out there right now, they sure as fuck will be in six months from now. I have so, a story. I have something guys. Go hold ahead. But yeah, I, I have something germane to that. So I, I think I think that the that obviously there's a balance between those two things, right? Because you can get wrapped up in an idea of like I can fix this, right? And then you're you're skipping opportunities because you're like, I can fix this, I can win this, I can do this right here. And uh, I think you have to be like really honest with yourself about the impact that you can have in a role. Um, if, uh, this guy Matt, who uh, who's a fan of the show. Uh, reached out and we had a role play conversation and uh, he was talking about a situation where he's a consultant, sold this company a solution and they're like, cool, we'll buy it if you if we can hire you full time and you come on and you help support it, well, which he didn't really want to do, but he was excited about the concept and the idea. So, so he took the job and uh, they were no longer listening to his ideas. And he was like, man, I'm so frustrated. I didn't want this job in the first place. I just wanted to give them a solution and be on my way. And now they've hired me and now they're not listening to, to, to any of my advice. And so we're talking about this on the role play. And I said, well, well man, like, how do you feel about it? And, he, and he, he's, like, he's like, it's frustrating, all this, all this, all this. And I was like, okay, cool. You need to go tell them that. And he was like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, look, man, you're in a spot to where, you know, you're not really being listened to, but you were brought there because you were supposed to have good ideas. And now they're not listening to them. Like, and you seem like you feel bad about taking their money. And he was like, yeah. I said, go tell them you feel bad for taking their money when they're not going to listen to your advice, but be aware that you might get canned at the end of it. I'm like, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And he was like, well, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. And I said, okay. So then a week later, he, he sends me a message and he was like, man, I, I did exactly what you said. I was like, cool, man, how'd it go? And he was like, I don't work there anymore. And I was like, oh God, I'm so sorry. You know? And he goes, don't be sorry. I'm so excited. And that, and that was exactly the advice I needed, you know? But I, I, I think that there's spots to where you can tell yourself that like, I can be the, I can be the change. I can, I can make all these things happen. But you also have to be able to zoom out a little bit, detach, you know, from like the Jocko camp and really look at this as, you know, can you impact change? Or are you, are you staring at the good poker table, sitting at the bad poker table because you want to win back the 20 bucks that you've lost on this poker table? Okay, so to my point, so... I'm challenging everybody out there to, to, because to, this was a real situation in my business. Can you go ask your superior for a letter of recommendation? And will they write it for you? Knowing that there are mass layoffs out there and that might be good to have it should you have to go somewhere else. And the person who asked me for a letter of recommendation got an amazing letter of recommendation and a $20,000 raise. What? So this person... <laughs> no. Are you so, kidding me? So, so Doc, are you, now, are you it, now, it is built off of... All 20000 is built off of current performance and current trajectory. So if cash flow is there... But it, there's a base to this, though. There is a solid up in the base... But to, to reach the, you know, the, the, the end zone, 
There's probably so, 10 on. of that 20 is built off of income for the business. Hold on. Okay. I, I have so many questions here. Okay. So someone comes into your office and they say, Hey, Al, can you write me a letter of recommendation? Cause I, because I might be leaving and you say, here's a $20,000 raise. Like how does the conversation? No, no. The conversation started on their end. We had, we had uh, spent a year working on a project that would had really consumed a ton of time and a ton of extra effort. It was the two new clinics that we have coming off the ground, right? Mm -hmm. And that took a lot of effort. And along the way, she wasn't the only one who has, has performed and gotten, you know, our, this individual, I kind of gave away their, her gender. Um, so her gender. Man, if um, you wanted to like leave and work someplace else, I would have given you a job. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it wasn't Nan, and it wasn't Nan. But what ended, what ended up happening was it was like, hey, I'd like to get a letter of recommendation and can I have it by, the, and I said, sure, I can do one of those for you. You know, what's this about? And she says, well, uh, you know, we went through a little bit of a conversation of, you know, remember discussions we've had and the inflection points and where we needed to be. And she understands, you know, how things were going. And I said, okay, um, let's talk about this. It seems like this is also a bridge to, you need more out of this, you know, out of the company, right? Is, is, am I hearing that correctly? And, and I mean, it just, I'm telling you, I literally, I didn't give more than I should. And I did it in a way that worked out. But guys, if you're, if, if companies are letting people go, but they're keeping you, why are they keeping you and letting the other person go? Nan wants to push back on so much of this. Like, like she's just over the, I don't, I don't blame uh, Nan, her. Nan has her opinion. Wait a second. Nan has her opinion, but she doesn't have all the facts and figures, right? She's okay. just, you know, right. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, Hey, if, if the timing is right and you think you, you, you're someone they don't want to leave, now's the time to see what the cash coffers look like. All right, guys, we're at, we're at 42. So uh, let's go let's go around real quick, right? If you're, if you're in a spot, if you're, if you're in this guy's spot, what are you doing over the next seven days and 30 days starting from now, Clint? So evaluate everything that you have currently. That, that's, that's the first step, right? Evaluate your capacity, evaluate what you need to do, put it on paper, put it in a spreadsheet, whatever you got to do to make sense in your own brain, evaluate everything you need to do. And then easily out of that, now that you know everything that you need to do, what your capacity is, you can formulate a plan to execute, right? And you work towards that goal of execution. Maybe it is hire two more back-end people because it's a necessity. But I challenge you to learn the capacity of what you have because I, I just bet you that it's not at 100%. Um, but if it is, okay, we hire two new people. What does that look like? How do we compensate those people? Why did those people leave me? How do I make it better so that these people stay with me for 15 years and they don't leave me? Okay. So, so there's a lot of factors in there, but evaluate, plan, attack. Al, what you got? Seven days, Ask, 30 days. Ask for a letter of recommendation, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, Man, what are you doing tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> But but then the, the question will be, you know, um, how do you fill the void? Just like Clint, I, I got nothing new to add to that. 
but you're going to have to solve this situation. And what is your capacity to move lateral if it isn't a right fit for the way you want to do business going forward? You're the sales guy. You should have, you should have opportunities galore if you're killing it in this environment. Yeah. Nanette, what you got? That's a perplexing question, is it not? I would just say be in the know, like, and optimize your situation because change is always good. You know, and if you look at it as bad, it will be bad. You, you speak what's going to happen. So if that change in front of you, understand what happened, you know, to the best of your ability, and then optimize your situation. Interesting. For me, uh, well, first of all, if I'm Nan or anybody working for Al, <laughs> I'm writing, I, I'm going to go ask for a letter of recommendation like ASAP. Um, for me, I, I was really, I, I'm, I'm big on momentum, right? And, you know, stuff sl slips away if it's not directly in front of you. So if you've got KPIs and goals, a bunch of weekly activities and things you have to be doing, I would be adjusting that into like, like either really targeted stuff or more networky stuff, which has got a, a little bit longer of a timeline. Um, but I really like what Clint uh, and, and Al have been talking about, you know, if you have support people on your team, do they like you? Like, like, are they incentivized to work for you? Are they bought into like the mission, you know, and all of those things. And I, I do like the idea of looking at this as like a learning opportunity of like, okay, cool. Why do we think these people left? How do we make sure that this doesn't happen again? And taking some ownership of that, man, I, I think, I think y'all all hit it out of the park. This was awesome. This was really, really good. Um, yeah, so if you're in sales and, or if you know somebody else in sales who might be struggling with some of these situations we're talking about, please share this with them. If you're watching us on YouTube and you're seeing Clint's amazing uh, Marine Corps sticker behind him because he's the only one, well, actually Al's pretty well lit. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe, leave a comment. Uh, if you would like to give us some feedback about how to improve this, or if you have a story or something you were caught up on, send us a tweet, send us a, a message on Facebook, uh, send us an email. If you want to take the assessment, reach out to us, disc at salesthrowdown.com. We'll, we'll get you hooked up and we'll catch everybody real soon. Uh, go kill it and uh, stay safe.